0: Welcome to the Breaking Through with Apollo podcast, hosted by Greg and Thomas Beckers. We're here to give you an inside look on the entertainment industry through the lens of an actor and a manager, and we're here to help you break through in your own career. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Breaking Through with Apollo. We are here with a fun guest today, Kelsey Volick, who is the director and writer of the fourth wall movie and asking for a friend. We've seen it. It is... uh, It is crazy to say the least, effed up beyond imagination. And it's also the winner of the best horror movie in the Irvine International Film Festival and the Women in Horror Film Festival. Also got a couple new projects coming up, which we'd love to talk about as well. So thank you for being on the show.
1: Well, thanks for having me guys.
2: Yeah,
0: so we'll start first with something I
2: feel like everyone's dealing with and kind of what we've just been talking about before we started this interview is uh, the coronavirus. So how has that been affecting you? Like, what have you been doing to stay sane? Obviously, it's probably done cancellations for work. What's What's been going on with
0: that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like like everybody in the entertainment industry, every, like all of my projects were just put on pause. But like, I unfortunately think, I think at least some of them are just going to be put on an indefinite hold. Um, like, we're not going to get start, started on production probably this year. Um, but... You know, it's also a good thing because I think, like, we're able to make a lot of the projects we're working on better. We're able to look at them more closely and take more time with it. We're gathering more people to, like, help us. Um, but it's been overall, like, a creative time as much as it can be. I mean, like, no, we're not allowed to shoot things, but we're, we're putting a lot of things in place so that when we can safely be on set again, we're going to, like... Full speed ahead.
2: So, there's some good things about it. I mean, like, you probably have a lot of time to write now and everything like that. But what about, so they've pushed back already some things to next year?
1: Yeah, I, I just, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Like, next month they could find a miracle drug and we're all safe. You know, like, I mean, I'm obviously I'm hopeful, but for me, it's better to just expect that most productions are going to be happening in 2021 that's kind of been running through the rumor mill of like the agencies and most producers I've talked to are like if they're leaning into this like new way of communicating and trying to create stories that way um which is its own like beautiful medium but for me I just I think I'm going to sit tight we're going to be in pre-production for most of my projects until the end of the year. And then hopefully we'll be able to get something actually in production in January.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're in the same boat, you know what I mean? The management's completely dead, every casting's completely dead. And no one seems to know really when it's gonna start. I mean, I did just hear, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, that in Georgia, like the Tyler Perry studios were thinking maybe June, July, they're gonna start again. But again, that's you never know and, and there's gonna be all kinds of new I guess regulations. So they're talking about almost like making people quarantine together when they're shooting. I mean that might be something that happens in the future. So I, that everyone just stay in one location and not allowed to see other people basically.
1: It's hard because like what do you do with crews sixty to hundred of people That's, you that's know? the like, problem.
2: Yeah. Like what um, do you do then?
1: And it's like how can you control who's coming i mean testing is a good way like but then that's creating a whole different problem because like are you only allowing people who've been tested and have it been tested who haven't had it like do what do we know about people intermingling like there's a lot of social issues one second there's a dog bucky can you go in the other room you're so jingly go on
0: that's our other special guest right there (laughs) yeah (laughs)
1: <laughs> he's just like
0: just living the he's dog like way.
1: a reindeer. He's just like
2: <laughs> <laughs> But that's that's um. that's so true. But like what I heard and again we don't know is that they would test people every day literally ev- yeah. everyone every day, which is kind of insane.
0: I mean, it, it's, it's the safest, but it's pretty insane. That's a lot of tests. I feel, I feel like that, that would, would come with its own, own issues just because, just because of like, would they, they get more tests than the general public, public would? Why, why would they, they get any the kind of preferences, of preferences in, in well, obtaining I, I the tests? I don't think
2: you could start something like this before there's enough testing for everyone where there's no shortage anymore. You can only do right. it when there's like a surplus again and where it's okay to do that that's why i'm maybe june july maybe i don't know how may- fast they make these tests so i have no idea
1: who knows we're all guessing at this point i it's it's amazing to keep hope that like we're going to open up things will be okay um and like ideally i mean i hope that they would at least be able to open theaters this year just so that like they, you know <laughs> we're not completely tanking uh the film industry but um it's it's funny it's already considered like the, the year that didn't happen like every agent I've spoken to has been like two, 2020 like what are you talking about 2021 <laughs> like
2: yeah um, and I guess and I guess like you were saying earlier there's also a chance that some projects are just going to be indefinitely slash potentially just cancelled
1: yeah I mean I think that's gonna happen to so many people like one of one of the projects I'm on um like it was for Fox and it was supposed to be like for an October release, for like a Halloween special situation. And unless, like that's not gonna happen this year. Have, have they already <laughs> said, even for
2: October, have they already said, hey, this is not happening? Or are they just like, hey, hold tight, we'll see?
1: They're just kind of saying like, hold tight. Um, and you know, who knows, we might be able to do it, but I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm going with the flow. I'm not going to try to push things. I'm not going to try to put people's health at risk. I'm, I'm not going to put my own health at risk. Um, and th- like, this isn't, we will still be able to make film after this. It's going to be harder. Um, but like, from what I've read, yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be an uphill climb from this point. But I think health comes first, you know.
2: Yeah, plus I'm optimistic, you know. I feel like out of anything like this, eventually something good comes. I mean, if you look Mm -hmm. at like the deep recessions of like the past, like even 08, 09, some of the biggest companies were created then, Uber, Airbnb. So I do think that there's always innovation that comes from things like this. And especially something that socially affects us, hopefully will also change how we socially Interact and how we live our life, we'll see. So I think there will be some good things, Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely an adjustment.
1: Huge adjustment, but yeah, I mean, I like your mentality. Just stay hopeful. We're we're all going to get through this. The film industry will survive. All you know, this is a really great time to be creative and to not rush things well let's
2: talk a little bit about that like what so what are you doing now like to switch it into some more positive territory uh because we can all like say how bad this is how hard it is and of course there's like mental health issues those are real uh but i feel like we've talked a lot about that let's so let's move on to some things that are like what's good coming out of this for you for example are you able to write a lot now and is it is it hard to I would imagine that's sometimes hard to just make sure that you're sitting down every time and doing it because y- you would think you have a ton of time, but it makes it harder sometimes to actually sit down and do things.
1: I mean, 100% it's the, when this all started for two weeks, it was, I was like really freaked out. So I barely ate. I like binge watched, um, happy on Netflix. I don't know if you guys seen it. Happy. It's amazing. Is that animation? <laughs> no, it's well, kind of, um, it's, about this like ex-cop slash hitman who ends up befriending his daughter's imaginary friend, which is like this floating unicorn. It's so violent.
2: That sounds so, I've (laughs) never heard of this. It sounds like something that if you're really high, you'd really like.
0: (laughs) 1 AM.
1: Genius. But I like, I needed it to just keep my mind off of the world for just a brief moment of time. And then I don't know what happened. Like after two or three weeks, I woke up one day and I was just ready. To take on the world again um i got together with my producers we all we were right before this was happening we um had finalized like the last draft of this film that we're all working on it's a feature called gatekeeper um agricultural horror film it's very relevant especially right now um but we were getting ready to like go into some pretty big pitches with it but the moment everything went on hold, we were able to take a good look at the script and fine tune the things we think scientifically and like logically people are going to have an issue with. Um, and it actually turned into an entirely new concept and script, like same basic concept, but um, we changed the science behind it completely. We're changing relationships. Like It, it ended up being like a huge... Um, improvement to what we thought was the final version of the script.
2: But it's a good. So, there's some good things coming out of it for, for for you writing wise.
1: Oh yeah, and like when I was writing it, I was also working on two other films. I was trying to recover from like a, like an accident, and I was I was, and you can see it in the script. Like you can see that I was like scatterbrained, and now that I'm just focusing on one script, and I'm taking days to really dive in deeper with one script one character like taking my time i'm able to finally take some of that like scatterbrain and like put the
2: more together more focused work basically Mm
0: -hmm. yeah how did you uh particularly get into like directing writing of that being the course of your life like what was kind of your origin story
1: um i guess so i originally just wanted to be a screenwriter as a kid I really leaned into like horror in particular because I grew up just my dad and my brother and they were into horror. So I leaned into horror and I was like the classic younger sister that like wanted to prove I could like watch all of this content and it scared the bejesus out of me. Like I, I was scared of the dark. I had to sleep with my dad, like in the bed with my dad until like, I think I was like 10. Like, I was freaked out. I had night terrors. What were you watching? How old were you? I was young. Like, I think I saw The Sixth Sense, like, when I was like nine.
2: Yeah, that's scary. That one's actually pretty scary, man. It's terrifying. I still don't watch a lot of scary movies because I don't, uh, you know, sleep well from them. Yeah, Yeah, I (laughs) did.
1: They, like, do damage. But as a kid, they were such a way for me to, like, connect with everybody and also prove that I was, like, tough. And... Jeepers Creepers in particularly, like, uh, months, I could not sleep. Um, and the Blair Witch Projects, which Blair now Rich you watch them are and they're scary. kind of like, yeah, it's, it's weird what gets you when you're a kid. But because I really got into that, I started writing films, like, when I was really young. And I won my first screenplay competition at 14 at the Shriek Fest Film Festival. Um, the script was called Big Kids Play Manslaughter. So, like, you can guess what kind of
0: (laughs) weird stuff
1: i was writing and um, it's like a disney story
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: sounds like a (laughs) rom-com
1: he was you know he was about a snowman and
2: (laughs) that's cool that's that's really that's really early that's so 14 you already wrote your first script yeah and
1: as a kid when you're writing a script like people around you don't take you very seriously obviously um but I won this like Shriek Fest, which is a pretty big horror film festival in Hollywood. And the moment that happened, my dad and my stepmom were both kind of like, all right, well, this is what you're doing. Like, we're not gonna push. And my my dad was like, always really encouraging because he was a photographer he made his living on photography from a young age as well so for him being a screenwriter or a filmmaker was like it was normal it was more normal than being a lawyer or a doctor and it was something he could identify with
2: that must that must have really helped because i feel like that that's such a struggle for a lot of people that come out to la or that are in basically the arts because you know Mm -hmm. in parents were a lot of times like oh it's not stable i mean good point but like (laughs) it's not stable you know what i mean it's like oh it's dangerous we don't know what's gonna happen you're gonna get into that hollywood life you know the 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 typical like parent stuff and i know in the beginning with tom my parents weren't well my mom was always on board i feel like but my dad wasn't
0: really on board (laughs) still isn't dad if you're listening to this you crushed me
1: Use it as fuel. Use it as fuel. It's like all the more reason to just like prove to these people you can do it.
2: Use that know? trauma creatively.
1: <laughs> exactly. In
0: every role I use it is my dad. Oh. <laughs> um, we so, all have that person. Is there anything that like, because you've been in it now for a while, like, is there anything that knowing what you know now, you would have done differently, that you would have changed in the way your path was or?
2: Well, wait, let's, let's backtrack a little bit before not to, you know, break off your question there hey hey but um (laughs) let's let's first continue the story because i want to hear the full story up until basically now where you went from 14 writing your first script and then you know shriek shriek right shriek festival shriek fest yeah uh, shriek fest um and then what happened after that so you were still young you went to high school what happened after that
1: well i so i i ended up going to CU Boulder. I got into USC film school and I couldn't afford it. I didn't want to take out the student loans. So um, I went to CU Boulder. Um, Ended up being, I I thought I wanted to be like a screenwriter and a cinematographer. Like directing was not in my sights at all. Like I did not want to be a director. Um, And I I had more fun in college than I probably should have. because you know people still today like everybody in my film program um everyone i think is a little bit like i don't want to say shocked that i was the one that came out and like started making movies but like that was that's been the overall consensus <laughs> reaction from like most of the people so
2: how so how did that happen so because what, what were you studying in boulder was it
1: i was still i it was, was film, in the right? bfa film program so if you're yeah. studying
2: so you were studying that but at that time you didn't really you weren't thinking about directing yet
1: So the thing about CU Boulder, it's a great film school, but you really thrive there if you have money because they don't help you pay for equipment or people's time or like anything like that. Because of that, I think that I was discouraged to kind of owning my full potential because I just couldn't afford to do the things I wanted to do. And the one grant I got, which was for my senior thesis film, my brother passed away, like right before we started filming. And so I rewrote the script, made the film about him, but they, I also was really, really ambitious and I wanted to make a 30-minute 30, 30 senior thesis film, which most people stick around like 9 to 12 minutes um, at that school because they only give you three months from like conceptualization to like finishing the actual film. And because I wanted to make a half hour, that was just... An incredibly dumb idea. It, it was not a good film. <laughs> it was not. It was a good script, um, but it really just it because I, I just felt like I couldn't win as far as finances go in college. I um, I always kind of knew that my time would be after I got out. So like when I came to LA, um, I immediately. Well, I actually moved to San Francisco first. I worked as a. And then I got um, a job as a producer for this company called Fandom. Oh, yeah, and Fandom. It was huge. Yeah, and yeah, was, that was, like, probably the best two years of my life um, up to that point because I got to produce content that people were seeing, like, the day after we made it. You, I met everybody um, from, like, actors to directors to screenplay writers um, and then who is,
2: who's the t- actors that you met? Like who saw some any, any anything stick out story-wise?
1: Yeah, I mean
3: Laurence and
1: he literally is like my favorite person on the face of the earth um, he Kind of gave me the chance of a lifetime to go and be Go to these like film junkets and interview um, the actors that like for all these movies. So the first time that I interviewed any actor was Hugh Grant oh, and damn. Hugh oh. Bonneville for Paddington Bear 2. <laughs> and I have never been so nervous in my entire life. Like I was shaking and I was, I was asking them questions that like did not make any sense. Like what? People Wait, look like what? at the footage. I don't know. I, I think I was trying to, I don't even remember, to be honest, but I know there was a moment in the interview where both Hughes were looking at me like, they didn't understand, like they were looking at each other like how do we answer this person? It was, and I was in the room with people who were just, this was their job, like they did this for years. They were so quick and witty with like talking with whoever and I just was like young and nervous. Yeah, which is, <laughs> um, which
2: is normal, you know, it was like the very start
1: Yeah, it was, and like, hosting isn't my thing. That's how I learned that. But like, I was given this opportunity, and I don't know, like I I got to go to the film, um, the press junket for 12 Strong, and I met this actor, Naveed, who is amazing. And we like cried together during the interview. And that was when I realized I connect with actors in a different way than like interviewing them. (laughs) I actually like, I realized, I think that was the point that I really wanted to go into directing because I, I just had like a different approach with communicating with like half of these people. And I couldn't make myself charming and presentable enough (laughs) to be on screen. So yeah, and then I got really mad because this guy stole my um, idea for a film and he made a short film and I got pissed off. So then I, I said, I'm going to make a short film. And I pitched it to my friend who just started a production company. And she was like, let's do it. And that's how Asking for a Friend was made. Um, and I It was, was all pretty
0: recent, like relatively recent still.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, And we, we pondered whether or not I should direct it for a hot second just because I wasn't sure. Like I wanted to produce it, I wanted to write it, but directing was something I was still kind of like going back and forth. Um, with but then I realized I have OCD and control issues, like I can't give someone else my script. I can't, <laughs> I can't do it, so
2: I feel like that's almost yeah. like required to be a director <laughs> you know what I mean know, I, know.
1: <laughs> I know I just I couldn't imagine like anybody taking my baby and raising it. you know so that's how asking for a friend was born, and then from there it's been like just. I think I've had two months of maybe wondering what I'm gonna do next. And even during those two months, I kind of had an idea. But I've been very fortunate to always have something coming right after.
2: Yeah, yeah. and you um, mentioned Fox as well, uh, that you're, you have something working with them. I don't know how much you're allowed to reveal about that. Um, but yeah, I know, I know you just said that you have something going on there.
1: Yeah, I can, they saw asking for a friend. That's all I can really say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, I figured. I figured out was that. Well, let's. I want to actually ask a question around that area, not directly about that, since you're not allowed to say too much about that. How how did you go about? I guess getting on their radar. Like, how did they see the movie? How, how like, I guess what I'm asking is, do you have any? tips for people that are let's say starting out or starting to screenwrite want to direct like how do you get your foot in the door it's not like it's not like auditions where you go on the breakdowns and you just get submitted you know what i mean
1: right i mean there's so many different ways and like i have heard stories from directors who did everything by the book um And then I heard people who just like randomly came into a bunch of money and finance to film themselves. And that ended up being like their starting point. But for me, it was a mixture of connections. I like randomly had people in my life that just like knew like the CEO of whatever company. And, um, I was able to get meetings with them before asking for a friend and I can't like disclose who, but I will say like in these meetings, I was trying to pitch a script, but every time I brought up the fact that I'm, I was also making a short film, everybody was like, you need to focus on your, on your short film, because that is the greatest business card you can have right now. Like, and, and when you, ha- and short films, you know, they make a dent in the film industry, but they're important in the sense that, um, film festivals, huge amount. Of networking there everyone will see or felt like people you didn't ex- like that's how Fox saw my film they I did not send it to them they were reaching out to film festivals to like see what was on the horizon who should who should they take meetings with like who what what are people excited about and a lot of film festivals like have your back in that way um like I, I've gotten two jobs that I have now from just showing my films in like small festivals, not even like New Orleans Film Festival. Um, that was I got like I think four offers for distribution after showing there.
2: Wow, so that's that's interesting, and, and so even the smaller ones you're saying are a good bet to do to do that. I didn't know that they checked out as many festivals as it seems like they do.
1: They do, yeah, and I mean like. I think it works to my advantage that I am a female and I work in genre. And I think that's, it's not as rare as people think, but it's still in like the big scheme of things. It's it's pretty rare. Yeah,
0: it's still a minority. It also seems like you have a very clear brand of film as well.
1: Right, because it was very unique to see. Find me. Yeah,
0: it was. It was. Yeah, it was unique to see. Definitely. Yeah,
2: (laughs) and I I feel like that that helps a lot too. Because I feel like if you're just like a director and you're just like I can direct anything, let me do anything. It's like then you really nothing, you know. Like it's very clear like where your direction is and what you want to do.
1: We, I think, people are interested in artists that have a voice, and when they can see a, uh, like, a consistent style in your work and, like, a theme with, like, you know, what you want to say, it's interesting. Um, but even, you know, even things like production value can, can definitely be a style choice, you know? But, um, yeah, like, I guess I didn't realize how important film festivals would be in this whole thing. Like, I literally just... And I also didn't realize how long the process was, um, like. So there's, there's two sites that are really good. One is film freeway and two is without a box and both of these festival, um, both of these sites kind of allow you to like mass submit to like all of these festivals. Um,
3: yeah, Film Freeway
1: is huge and without a box, but a lot of big festivals like Cannes and Sundance and Telluride—they you have to submit through their actual um, website. So, if you can't find what you're looking for on these on these sites, you'll probably just have to submit through the site. But another helpful tip with festivals is you really do have to. um, You can't just submit to like all of the festivals in the world and just like cross your fingers, because there is there is politics within festivals. They know world premiere to another festival, and if you promise your world premiere to two festivals and just hope one of them accepts you. You might miss out on both. Um, And then it's not always worth it to sit, like quality over quantity. Like smaller festivals are definitely important, but um, you don't want to waste your money and not even with quality, but you don't want to waste your money specifically on festivals that won't show your film. Like I'm a horror movie director. I'm not going to, I know, I knew when making Asking for a Friend, like, this probably is not going to be in can or like, this is, this is too, like, it, I don't know what to call it. I just, it wasn't like a can film, it wasn't, so we didn't even submit, because we just kind of knew what we were making from the get-go, and I think a lot of directors make that mistake of, like, not knowing who they are and where they fit in, like, the grand scheme of what, like, film fest, the film circuit is.
2: And can you talk, can you talk a little bit more about, because you just said like you can't just submit them to all these places and cross your fingers because there's a lot of politics type stuff, which I mean, that's you know definitely entertainment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so what's, what's a way to kind of, you know, not do that, not just sit back and have your uh, fingers crossed.
1: So you need to pay attention to the dates that each festival is having. Um, you need to look at what they've shown before, what has done well with them before. Um, And you need to, um, yeah, you need to, dates is very like, I mean, that should be an obvious one, but like people kind of get lost in the fact that like, they want to premiere it at like Sundance, but they also want to be in the Venice Film Festival. Well, the Venice Film Festival is in September, Sundance is in January. So like, you have to pick kind of, or, you know, I mean, some films don't, but most films do. Um, y- yeah, I mean, you should really just, like, coordinate, like, where most eyes are going to see your film, the dates of the festivals, what they're showing, and um, what, they've, what they've shown before. Um, yeah, like, we didn't do any of that. We just kind of, like... Full, like, we, just, we were cocky, and we threw our festival at everybody. It worked to our advantage in some ways, for sure, but also in other ways it was kind of like... We shouldn't... There were some festivals that I feel like we just... Like, we could have saved a lot of money. <laughs> just because we didn't get into a lot of festivals that... Of course we didn't get into them. But um, I think if you have a budget, like and put work into getting a relationship with that festival beforehand. Like follow their Instagram, DM them, include them in things that like you're posting, let them know you're making things like be in contact with these people.
2: Yeah, that, that, I think that's an important thing. I don't think a lot of people spend a lot of time on actual relationships, which is the yeah. most important. And just like reaching out to these festivals and doing all the work upfront before you're like submitting and basically wanting something, like build mm-hmm. some kind of relationship before that. So And so that, you know, it'll help you, but it's also just a better human thing to do than to only reach out to people when you need something
1: right and like it can be something as small as like we for women in f- horror um like that was a huge festival for us we really wanted to get to it it's really competitive when we were making asking for a friend I was like tagging them in every post on Instagram I was just like I kept letting them know like hey we're making something like be ready to watch this film um and creating like a buzz around it even before you shoot I think that's so important like um, it's, yeah, And it's weirdly important how, um, how much like a little bit of marketing can go a long way. Like if you're mentioned, if, you, if, if people have reviewed your film, um, all of that's important. Like, but yeah, I mean, relationships have helped us immensely. Like I now have a really good relationship specifically with like the New Orleans um, Horror Film Festival just because it was such a lovely time and it's a great festival, but also because like you get to just like walk around with the director of the festival. And now for like the rest of my life, I'll have this relationship and I can talk to him about like, you know, what are you looking for this year? Like, does it make sense for us to submit? What like, should I, you know, send more people your way? Like, what do you need? Um, That stuff's really important.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I I think that's so important. and Just the way of building relationships like that, where it's more natural, where it's more like, you know, getting to know someone. I think a lot of people, and I've noticed this on my side when they're trying to build, well, I'm using quotation marks so you can't really see that on the (laughs) podcast. No, I saw it. Oh, you saw it. Okay, (laughs) yeah, good. (laughs) So like they're building relationships, but it's not really relationships that they're building. They're like doing that sleazy type of networking where they're just trying to see how they can use people. And that's that's a terrible way to build a relationship. Relationships, Mm -hmm. like you, I also don't believe you should build relationships if you really just don't like that person or don't think that person is a good human being it's just not worth it and some people are just like oh, i'm just trying i'm just going to build all these relationships with all these different people but then you got all these shallow relationships that basically mean nothing honestly instead of just focusing on a couple of people that you can really build a strong relationship with and just like for you how you met other people through relationships you already had that gave you a lot of opportunities that's a way better way to do it because then you have genuine relationships people that almost like cheerleaders for you in a way or promoters for you, whichever way you want to see that. And then they will introduce you to other people. And that's way strong. It's almost, it's better to have a very strong fan than just a bunch of people, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it comes down to that basic principle of like, you just need to be, I think in any industry in this, you know, on this planet, you need to be the kind of person that genuinely cares about people. I think, if you start there and and work on yourself in that light um if that's not something that naturally comes to you you will always find yourself in a position where people want to um they want to like hop on the train they want to help you they want to champion you they want you to show up because you've like you care and you um it's it, like, it, it shouldn't feel transactional, like these relationships, you know? And I, I think, especially in the entertainment industry, people forget that they kind of, you know, and, and we all know this, like there's a lot of things in LA, there's a lot of people in LA that really only want to be involved in your life if you have something to offer.
2: Yeah, and it's very transparent. So I think sometimes people think that they're being like, sneaky about it or they don't like, oh, they probably don't know that that's what I want everyone knows
0: <laughs> yeah it's very it's, obvious
2: it's, and speaking of the good human being thing like hopefully that comes naturally for you know whoever's listening or whoever wants to do that uh whoever should do that uh, <laughs> wants to do that yeah be good, good if you people. feel like it <laughs> um so <laughs> hopefully you should do that and if you're not that's not something that we can really coach or you know teach uh I, i'd recommend <laughs> starting with therapy there but
3: uh, <laughs> start with listening yeah start
2: with start listening start with you listening, know? listening um anyway where was i going i think you were going with a question here
0: um i guess we can backtrack to the last like what (laughs) is something
2: i'm I'm gonna let tom in because i feel like i'm just like dominating conversation here so (laughs) get in there tom (laughs) you're here for like you're here for the eye candy (laughs)
1: Um, I will say I I wish in college I had interned for a production company. I think that would have been really beneficial. Um, but I actually wouldn't change anything. I think like what would have relieved a lot of stress and there's no way of getting around this as a new filmmaker, a new voice is, is trusting yourself because what I think people uh, run into a lot of a lot of directors, a lot of younger directors a lot of younger screenwriters is they kind of just get into this mindset like I will change whatever I want to change, I will do whatever I have to do to get this film made Um, and then when it is being made, you will bend at the whim of whoever's you know suggesting anything to you just because you don't trust in your own
2: vision and And i I bet that happens pretty much every project that there's because there's so many creative voices talking a lot lot of of cooks cooks in the kitchen kitchen. i guess how do you how so how do you keep that I, i guess where how do you keep the balance between taking some of the feedback that can potentially help the project and knowing what to listen to and what not to listen to with so many voices going on
1: I think. I mean, I think it starts with having a clear vision to begin with. Um, I think people get into trouble because they have this like wobbly film in their head and they don't know which way to turn. So when they start inviting other people in, and it confuses them, um, and it makes them a little. It, it makes them bend. And like one of the things I learned in asking for a friend, in particular, which it just stressed me out because I I. I I had a lot of people who just had a different idea of what the film was going to be and, and they were fighting me on it and like, you know, learning how to navigate those voices in a diplomatic manner and making sure everyone feels heard, but also that like, you are the captain of the ship. I mean, they should trust you. They shouldn't feel, they shouldn't feel, um, they shouldn't feel like they aren't being heard, but they also shouldn't feel like they're not being led by somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. So I think like things start to crumble the moment you start to question yourself. Um, and in editing that film, I realized how right I was.
2: <laughs> Always a good thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> I just I realized like I made the film I wanted to make didn't matter what people were trying to get me to do I made the film I wanted to make so I took that and in going into the fourth wall um I was not bothered by questions anymore I wasn't bothered by things that like in asking for a friend it just kind of got to me it made me feel like I don't know just made me feel like I was questioning myself a little bit too much. And then the fourth wall I didn't question myself at all. I knew exactly what I was doing. And I'm glad that, you know, asking for a friend happened because I wouldn't have known to be so like mentally prepared for that in the first place. And also I, I came into the fourth wall with a
3: wood. Mother- oh no, can you
1: hear me? <laughs> Okay. Um, I just think, like, the fourth wall... My experiences on asking for a friend, they were amazing. But they definitely helped me kind of prepare for the fourth wall as far as there wasn't a part of that film that I didn't see in my head. There, like, wasn't um, a line delivery, a costume, set design. Like, it was all there. There were no questions. And because of that, people didn't... There wasn't the same, like... people trusted me a lot more and
0: then yeah, yeah, i keep going keep going uh, this is so so good right now <laughs> i have another question coming up um, in regards to that yeah.
1: i know it's, it's something i think it's hard for a lot of directors to admit is like when they start out you kind of like you have a strong vision but like you're still a little bit unsure of yourself because you're so new and i think like a lot of being a good director is like working out those kinks and just trusting yourself
0: So this this is absolute gold because you talked about, like, uh, the strong vision, particularly, it's almost like it's your North Star, like, and the Mm -hmm. thing that's, from what I'm hearing you say, the thing that you get people to join in on, like, your your vision, I think that's why it's kind of been able to uphold itself, even though so many people have been trying to, like, say, take it that direction and all that, and I think... Um, Even just thinking outside the industry, like, that is really the thing, I think, that makes someone so successful is the clearer your vision is, the more it will withstand outside forces, if you will, and the more people will also want to jump in on it. Even, like, thinking about someone like Steve Jobs, for example, had a clear vision, so he had so many people who joined him on it. So the next question is, like, what is your vision of yourself come as in like as a writer as a director in general like in for the future as opposed like where you see yourself like what's the vision for you particularly for the industry how you want to influence it
1: i want to be a feature filmmaker i want to keep making features i i didn't i i've never really wanted to get into tv and i still don't but maybe that will change um And I want to create content that shows the light through the darkness. So in every, like, yes, I'm a horror filmmaker, but I I like to think that each movie I've worked on has transcended the genre in some way. Um, Because like asking for a friend was also a comedy and it, you know, talked about friendship and loyalty. And then the fourth wall is about sanity. Um, I, I really enjoy making films that have a point. They're not just... Although I do enjoy watching mindless, violent, like I do enjoy watching, but like for me, if I'm making something, it has to come from a place that like I want people to wake up or see something. Um, like in *Gatekeeper*, I mean, it's a horror film, but it's about the agricultural industry, and that you can you can do with that what you will. <laughs> but. Um, it's, you know, I, I want, I think it's really awesome that we have this like commercialized medium to, to say things to people that otherwise wouldn't be listening. And so, and horror is an awesome way to do that because people, horror has been showing us what we're afraid of our whole lives. Yes. But it's also been showing what society has been afraid of our whole lives. And it's a really good mirror. Um so that's why it's my genre of choice but so like in the next you know my whole life i want to make feature films that lean into that genre i think
0: do light into the darkness
2: i want yeah, i want to i want to kind of switch gears a little bit um uh, with actors how, how how involved are you with picking the actors and when you're involved in that and casting and stuff i guess what do you look for
1: I am I mean, I always come at a project with actors in mind, and i am we it's kind of funny with each um project I've done, we've done video auditions because with asking for a friend, the girl that I had originally wanted in the film, she lived in New York. her name's Jacqueline Bell. She ended up in the movie because she's phenomenal but um my producers in LA really wanted to give people a chance to like be in this film. So we did like a casting call and we also accepted like online submissions from like all over. Um, And weirdly enough, Jacqueline dominated everyone, even people that we saw in person. It was, it's lovely seeing people in person because you're able to give that immediate feedback um, and like work physically with them, which I try to do with everyone that comes into the room. If I feel like you have a potential to fit the role, I'm going to work with you during the audition. And how well... How,
2: how many of those did you see out of curiosity, like, like ballpark?
1: I think on... So we received around 300 video submissions for asking for a friend. And we saw in person 20 people. And then we narrowed it down to three people after that. So I was able to visit with three of those actresses um, a couple of times. And Jacqueline ended up being, I, I met with her as much as I could over FaceTime. She really, really listened to direction. She was easily adaptable. She was, she had a good attitude. Like I personally felt like I can make a movie with you. I can hang out with you. <laughs> um, which I don't always need that, but it helps. And with the fourth wall, because they were all French actors, I had to do everything over Skype. And um, I was working with actors that were a lot more experienced than I was. And even like any of the actors I'd worked with previously, um, Lizzie Borchere, who is phenomenal. She was in American Horror Story, The Ring. She's um, second season of American Horror Story. She's like literally I remember watching her when that season came out and I knew I was going to work with her someday. So I'm kind of happy. It kind of came full circle like this, but with her, we, we just discussed the script for like three weeks. And then after that, we were kind of like, okay, let's do this. Um, so it was, I knew she had the talent for it. It was more just like, does she understand what I'm trying to do? Can I communicate with her effectively? Does she want to be in the film? (laughs) Um, and same with like Robbie Shannasi, he, he's amazing as well. He's in uh, Gossip Girl, and same kind of thing with him. Like we went back and forth a couple of times, and it ended up just yeah. For me, it's like a mixture of like talent and can we collaborate? Am I going to understand you? Or are you going to understand me? That's huge. So
2: like willing to li- like being very open to direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes. And sense.
1: also like. I, I'm a huge believer in, um, improv, improv. Oh my God. Why can I not speak right now? I love improvisation and I look for actors that can, that, do well with direction, but also can like go off on their own and be confident.
2: That's interesting because sometimes like people go, I feel sometimes both ways in that sometimes they're like, don't change a word in the script or don't add anything because you're almost insulting the writer. You know what I mean? And then other times you hear like, ah, oh, like I like someone that would improv or bring their own spin to things because that might bring us new ideas. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to hear it because I guess I feel like people go either way with that.
1: Yeah. And there's no right way. It's just like whatever way you, you, prefer like i love people um introducing new things to me and, and i really really work well with people who like if a line isn't working with them feel comfortable and open enough with me to be like listen i don't think that she would say it like this let's like okay great how do, how do you think she'd say it <laughs> like i i love that collaboration process with actors
0: yeah it's awesome
2: Yeah, that's a good. That's a good thing. I feel like I. I know there's also people that are the opposite. Where it's like, don't touch anything and just you know, say your lines.
1: (laughs) And that totally also works.
2: Yeah, I I can see both sides because it's like sometimes you know, if writers, all this work has been done into the script and then i think like you way. said the most important is the collaboration part i mm-hmm. i think it's all almost always insulting if the actor would just start changing things on his own without like being like hey i think maybe this would be cool or what do you think about this mm-hmm. instead of just doing it by themselves and then the writers being and director being like what the fuck you mm-hmm. know?
1: yeah absolutely i mean <laughs> the fourth wall was insane because I don't speak French and we filmed that movie in French. And so oh. that script was written in English. Oh, so when I got to Paris, we, I sat down with the actors and we went through each line and translated it to French. But how would, how would a French woman say this? Yeah. You know, how, cause like saying something so like there's a line in the, in the script that is um, get him out of her and onto the stage. I was like, "That's so lovely. I love this line. I don't want it to change." But it was, you know, translated in French. It's horrible. It sounds awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and so that was a huge collaboration. And th- like, I wouldn't have been able to like. We could have just had someone translate the script, and um, we decided to make it like a team process because, like, here here's the skeletons. So let's like add some meat to this.
2: Yeah, that must have been tough completely in French. That's, that's interesting.
0: How was it like to direct essentially everything? Because you're hearing everything in French. Like, what was that experience like?
1: Um, it, like oh, it was so fun. I So it actually allowed me... So my scripty was... I had a lot of help. I had a lot of people... Basically, I had one person that was or fumbling their lines because they were yelling so quickly in French that like I wouldn't always catch that. Okay. Um, and then we had somebody else that were, they were just making sure they were saying the right lines. <laughs> and then I would focus on the emotion and like the overall tone of the scene. So there was like three of us behind the monitor just like checking and checking and checking. Oh. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of trust. <laughs> in you know my crew and they were amazing it was it was super challenging but it was like i mean i wouldn't have done it any other way it was so rewarding and i knew the script like i knew the script in french i knew i memorized the script after we had gone through and rewritten it right um so i knew what everyone was supposed to say it it made it i don't know i loved it I want to
2: do it again. That's cool. Yeah. So you want to do it. If you do a French movie again, uh, I think Tom speaks French. Hint, hint. (laughs) Je parle bien français,
0: mademoiselle. Je parle bien français. Get in there. Get your audition in.
1: (laughs) This is the perfect time, honestly. You have to sneak in your skills in every... Opportunity. Every single
0: yes. time, I would just kind of like, kind of like. That's what I did. There. I mean,
2: I didn't sneak it in. I just bluntly put it in there. <laughs> that's what we're here
1: <laughs> oh, for. So true. It is so smart. I will tell you guys. I've had two pitch meetings that were supposed to be general meetings that I pitched movies in. Um, oh really? That I was not. I was not supposed to pitch a movie. I was yeah. just supposed to tell them about like my childhood.
2: <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, interesting.
1: See if we got along. But I like threw like decks on the table and i was like i'm pitching today everyone just so you're aware and it's we're always worked in my favor so as an actor i think you should definitely do that
2: yeah that's that's a great, that's great i think like i think sometimes people are scared to take chances that way you know what i mean they're like oh i don't want to do that because you know what if they don't like it and blah 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 it's like take a chance Also, use like social tack and like intelligence have some intelligence like don't be an idiot about it but like Mm -hmm. take chances that like you should be saying and owning that you're an actor or you're a director and i'm gonna pitch this is what i'm working on i'm
0: gonna talk passionately about it you know what i'm gonna pitch it you know what i mean if you don't want me to pitch just tell me to stop (laughs) and it's even better when he does the pitching for me because then he can look like an asshole and then i can look like golden boy
1: yeah, you're just like, hey, let me run my fingers through my hair. Yeah,
3: speak some French.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then just do the, ah, oh, shucks. ah, oh, shucks. Yeah, pretty much. That's our, that's our style.
2: All right, I'm going to switch gears completely again. Um, so how do you balance? And this is just something that in entertainment <laughs> I've noticed is very hard really everyone working in it I, I feel like actors casting directors that we've talked to directors everyone how do you balance kind of work life family relationships dating whatever you're doing and how do you travel that with like how do you do that with the hectic schedule with the uncertainty of it all that how does that work like what do you do i guess what tips if any do you have
1: um, there's a baby in the background, if you guys hear.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard it.
1: <laughs> he, he's he, she, very he, vocal. he, he's very cute. His uh-huh. name's Neo. Um, so I am not very good at that. I'll be honest. When I'm working on a film, I, nothing else matters. Nothing else exists. I don't have time for friends. I don't have time. Like, I like nothing. Um, I'm lucky that I have been able to be like, okay, one month on, one month off. And then during that one month off, I, I, I meet people who I introduce into my life that, um, kind of already know what I'm like because I give people like a fair warning. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't mastered the balance yet. I know for me, what makes me ha- the happiest when I'm making films is to make the damn film. <laughs> like, be so in it, there, nothing else exists. And I think, like, my work shows that. And um, I think it's, I think in the long run... Just maintaining like, okay, so this month I'm going to be kind of like off the rails a little bit. I, I, I'm i not going to be reachable. And then when you are able to be open to people, really putting the time in your relationships with like friends, family, significant others, like that's, I take that time with them. But I'm also really, really fortunate because my best friends in LA are people who've made every movie with me. <laughs> so like my one of my best friends in LA my, is my editor Tyler. He was also our DIT in Paris, so he came with us to Paris, shot the movie. We went out every night. Like, um, so I've been really fortunate. I try to work with my friends, but um, still, balance. I'm still learning.
2: Yeah, I, I guess that's <laughs> natural too. That those are and become friends because you spend so much time with them, and I feel like in some ways, you almost need. Someone that's either in that type of lifestyle as well yeah. or is very understanding of it, supportive, yeah, and supportive of it. I, I think it'd be it could be difficult for some people, you know what I mean? Like, if, if let's say you you have a high need for certainty and you work 9 to 5 which is there's not obviously nothing wrong with that but you just like want to you know see your family your girlfriend wife at the end of the day and it needs to be consistent if you're that type of person that would be that nearly impossible i would think to have a relationship or family life with someone that's you know directing acting in that entertainment industry
1: yeah i mean it's, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be a hard thing to tackle. This. I was very lucky, like I said, because I had so much space in between my two films. Um, and I was traveling around with my best friends who were in them to all these festivals. Um, and as I have never been involved with somebody like romantically that hasn't also had the same kind of busy schedule. So I
3: ha- fortunately, I haven't had an experience.
1: I that's just finding its way around me. Um I was yeah, I mean, my past relationships, people just understood. So I, I've been very fortunate in that in that light.
2: Yeah, plus I feel like if you're in LA, you have a high chance of finding people that'll be more understanding because I feel like everyone lives that life here. Like so many not everyone, but a large majority, I feel like, sometimes.
1: I, I, the sense I get from like my friends and their boyfriends, um, as well as my own experiences is that people are almost relieved to hear that you have a life (laughs) Um, and they're because it means that they can have like their life. So I think when that matches, it's, it's, it's fine. But who knows in the future, I think when you introduce like family into it, if, you know, when I reach the point where I actually want to start having kids, that's going to be a whole nother Thing, yeah, it's a
2: whole different thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm so far away from that. So I <laughs> can start thinking right. about that. yet. <laughs> Give me 30 years.
0: <laughs> Maybe. I, I still have one question to switch gears again. I know it's been like our phrase of the day. But um, where do you come up with your ideas? Because oh, yeah. you yeah, like, what, must have a very yeah, dark mind. Like
2: what's like how do you, yeah how do you, how do you get there? Like what's the process? Is it like a Hunter S. Thompson thing where you just go like on drug binge? Like how does it how does it work?
0: Like it's such I a. I wish
1: u- it were that easy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Is this such a unique blend as well? I don't think I've even seen that type of genre before. So like, how does it come up?
1: I think. I, I, I don't know, I, so I, it, every single film I have has come through something different. I mean, Asking for a Friend came out of, I, I was going through like a really, I was going through like a techno phase. <laughs>
2: and, techno phase.
1: Yeah, and I, I was, I thought it'd be really fun. I was listening to Sophie Tucker's um, best friend song. And I thought it'd be like, I don't know if that's techno it's like pop electronic. I, I don't really know what that is, but um, I thought it'd be really funny to like introduce a dark, like murder-esque to- uh, topic to the music video. So the original idea for asking for a friend was like a music video about, you know, mm-hmm. two friends disposing of a body. Um, and then when I started writing it, it just made sense. Like if you, if you, I don't know. I I talk a lot with people and I talk a lot with crazy people. So I'll tell, I'll tell, you know, my, my, um, creative producer is like one of those creative and like lovely people. I know when she was actually in the movie, there's a blood rave and I, I tell, I was, you know, introducing the idea of like the blood from the body leaking to the floor and she like as a joke was like what if they started dancing in it like what if it was a rave and I we both just <laughs> stopped talking and like looked at each other and I was like oh my God. that is genius <laughs> that is I so it, it's different I mean I think what am I afraid of is always the first thing that comes to my mind when it comes to horror what am I afraid of today and what may, what inspires me to make movies so I try to like blend all of these things like I I know I really want to make a movie with um people 70 plus age group and I want to make it sexy so I'll start there <laughs> and then kind of create a concept around it but it, it's never like I have an idea and the whole thing is there. It's like, it's like, it takes a couple weeks for me to like sit with, okay, all right, I wanna make people sexy. I wanna talk about like, you know, how in um, nursing homes, like the STDs are just like spreading like crazy. How funny is that? Is that a and thing? Also, oh my gosh, that's the truth.
2: <laughs> wow. God, I'm shocked and also not wanting that visual in my mind.
1: <laughs> I know, but see, that's the problem. I want to introduce like that. We are sexy at every age, and <clears throat> even though I'm tackling like the horror genre, I want to incorporate things like that. Um, so I'll kind of start with like, what do I want to tell people? What I want, what do I want people to walk away with, and then kind of go from there.
0: So what I'm hearing is talk to a lot of crazy people. What inspires you? What scares <laughs> you? So, anyone out there who's writing, talk to your craziest friends.
1: It's true. <laughs> And I like don't do any kind of psychedelic drugs. So I always talk to my friends who do because they they've been where I haven't been before. So
2: (laughs) probably all the good ideas come from that. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on. Just one more question. Uh, Well, not even a question, but you can. Is there anything that you'd still like to mention things that you're working on or even just kind of tips or last words that you have for people that would help them? Can be anything.
1: Um, I will say, I'm going to just plug asking for a friend. We have our online premiere June 10th on Alter. So people should definitely watch it if they um, want to have an idea of what you guys are talking about when you're like, you know, we haven't seen that genre before. Um, because it is a particular type of genre that I work in, and it'd be cool for people to see it.
2: Cool. We'll put that in. We'll also put that in the description. So that Is that the website know. Alter, June 10th?
1: So it's a YouTube channel and they also have a website and a Facebook, but, um, watch it on YouTube for the views. <laughs> it's watch okay. altar.
2: Gotcha. Watch Altar. Perfect. So mm-hmm. we'll put that in the description so they can check that out. And it's June 10th, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on and we'll send everyone your way for all those views. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Thank you guys. This, this is, great. is so fun. Thanks.
0: thanks. Thanks for coming on. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe to our podcast and stay updated on new episodes every week. Check out our show notes for our contact info and social media and hit us up with any questions you may have.